Uh, today, our title is and our topic is boldness. And yes, I did spell it wrong on purpose with three S's. So it's like today, it's just boldness. All right. So if you guys can get that, uh, I'll, I'll explain why I did that. But our main text is Acts 4, 8 through 31. Okay, so turn over to Acts 8, no, Acts 4, verse 8. How about that? Yes, do you have a question? Um, can I quickly get like a note? Yes, if you want to go get a Bible or note paper or pens, I think they're over there, right there. Oh, and the Bible's over to your left. Today is the 28th. It is about 80 degrees outside. We are in the east, no, we're in the west built, no, east built, east wing of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, second story. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, how are you? Oh, muy bien. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm fine. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? So Acts 4, chapter 4, and we're going to go through 8 through 31, but not all at once. We're going to take it in chunks, so we'll go slow. It'll be good. But before we go any further, let's pray. So you guys ready? All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you now. Lord, we are excited, Lord, for what you want to teach us today. Lord, it's just thinking about it, breaking it down. Lord, you know our lives individually. You know what happens when we go home, what's going to happen on Monday in our lives, individually, personally, Lord Jesus. So Lord, as we are here to be fed by your word, Lord, may you show us how to apply this scriptures to our lives. Lord, things we need to change, things we need to grow in, or things that we just need to be encouraged in. So Lord, have your way with us today. I pray for my brothers and sisters now, Lord, that you would just speak to them so clearly, Lord, that they would be encouraged and then ready to go, ready to be sent out. So we love you and we thank you for this uh, time in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we get into uh, Acts 4, uh, the word boldness with two S's means, confident, uh, means confidence. So you have confidence in it or you can speak it plainly. Or it means courage, right? This is from the dictionary.com uh, definitions of it. But I want you guys to learn an easy way to have boldness, okay? So boldness with three S's. So this first we'll add another S, but uh, on the word boldness already. So then we'll have three S's. I already said that, sorry. But in order to have boldness with Jesus, right? Because the world does have some type of boldness, right? They do. But what I'm talking about here is a spiritual boldness that only Christians could have, okay? So it's a little different from what the world has, but it is nonetheless boldness and a greater boldness and for a greater purpose. But the three S's in boldness stand for spirit-led, self-denied, and secret place. So if we remember those three S words or S sayings or short little sentences, I guess, uh, they'll help you understand what I'm talking about and help you remember what we studied today. So spirit-led, self-denied, and secret place. And I'll explain in detail because we'll go through our topics um, 
very slowly, and I'll be able to uh, describe those better for you. But first, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Great, cha- great book, great name. Um, you guys didn't get the joke, huh? All right. <laughs> Just seeing if you, you guys awake? You guys good? Anyway, so Matthew 5, 13, right? Starting in thir- verse 13. This is Jesus speaking to us, right? Because it says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do, uh, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to the, uh, all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? So Jesus is speaking to us. And again, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, right, he gives this other command. Matthew 28, 19. And he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And so it's very interesting right here. Okay, so you're supposed to go out and make disciples. Well, the first step in making a disciple is sharing the gospel with them. They can't become a follower of Jesus if they don't believe the gospel, right? So we need to preach the gospel in order to make disciples. So once they accept the gospel, once they decide to follow after Jesus, then you start discipling them in the ways of Jesus. Does that make sense? It's kind of self-explanatory, but I think we overlook that sometimes. So it's important to remember, in order to make disciples, we must preach the gospel. And this is the confidence, and this is why we can have boldness. John 14, 6, right? Alex prayed it when we started, and it was so awesome because it's totally of the Lord, uh, because this is what we can have our boldness in. This is why we can have boldness, all right? So John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, so we don't have that feeling in math class when the teacher's like, okay, what's the answer? And you're like, I think it's 13. That is not boldness. That is not confidence. That is not what Jesus is talking about, that feeling. He is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is how it is, and there's nothing else. And that's the boldness that we can have. And then when we stand upon that, when we preach the gospel, we know that we are speaking truth. We know we are speaking of the way to God right? And that he is the only way to life. That's why we can have boldness in what we preach, in what we say. But the thing is, is that our human emotions get in the way sometimes. How, how many of you guys have ever been scared to do something, right? Because someone might think something you're weird or think it's different or whatever. All right, so I'm going to raise both hands because I'm actually, if you don't, if you know me, I'm not, I don't, well, I don't really like to talk that much. So why I'm up here, I have no clue why. But anyway, I don't really, I'm a man like, if I can say in five words, we're golden. Like, we're good. You know what I mean? But I'm not a big, was it intro? No. Extrovert. Thank you for the help. All right. So an extrovert, right? I don't like to talk that much. But I also struggle with being bold because 
You know, sometimes it's a fearful thing. It is a scary thing. But there's also many people in the Bible, we're going to cover two of them today, who struggled with being bold, right? Or I shouldn't say struggled with being bold. They had the struggle of fear and letting fear take control of them. And one of them is the great Apostle Paul. Very interesting. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Two-thirds. That's a big chunk, right? A big chunk of Bible. And yet, he struggled sometimes with being fearful. Look at, for example, and we have another example later on in our study, but the first one is Acts 18, 9 through 11, right? And it says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in, a night, uh, in, a, in the night by a vision. And he said, Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So even the great apostle Paul sometimes got fearful. Because why would Jesus come to Paul in a vision at night and tell him, don't be afraid? Because he was afraid, right? So it makes sense. So if you're fearful and you struggle with this, and it's sometimes it's hard for you to be a light in the world, you're in good company, right? But that's not, a, that's not an excuse, okay? That's not a cop-out. So back to our main story, our main passage of Scripture, Acts 4, but just for a little backstory so you guys can know kind of what's going on before. Um, Acts chapter 3 uh, talks about in detail what happens and leads up to Acts chapter 4, obviously, because like 1, 2, 3, 4, right? That's how counting goes. Good? We all, we all got that? Okay, so 3 becomes before 4, right? Okay, and then you heard that you heard like seven, eight, nine, so there's no nine. Never mind. Anyway, so you're like, what? I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, so a little bit of backstory. Who wants to read Acts chapter three for me? The whole chapter. You got to stand up on stage. I'm just joking. I'm just gonna go over bullet points. Jeez, you guys need to loosen up a little bit, okay? But anyway, so Acts chapter three. It starts off with Peter and John. So you have the apostle Peter and John. They go up to the temple in the hour of prayer. And at the temple, there's a man who, who has been lame from birth. So he can't walk. For whatever reason, he was born that way. And this man is begging for money. And he turns to Peter and John. And he, said, he asks them for money. Because that's the only way he can have an income. Right? Back then, people didn't look out for you. If you couldn't walk or you couldn't work, they just, you were just left alone and you were kind of just to the mercy of the people walking by you. And, but Peter has this awesome verse in verse 6. And it's an awesome statement and it's very famous. It says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Right? So an awesome verse and the next thing you know, this guy is healed. He's jumping around, praising God, and he walks in the temple with them. You're like, that's pretty amazing, right? Huge work of God, huge miracle right before everyone's eyes at the temple. If you guys didn't know, the temple is a huge place. If hundreds of, if, if, and thousands of people go, going there. 
And so they go walking in the temple. This guy's jumping around, going crazy because it says that he was, I think he was 40 years. He was like that. And all of a sudden he's healed. You would be jumping around praising God too, right? You'd be going crazy. And so everyone in the temple saw him praising God and walking. And they realized like, this is the guy that was asking for alms outside the temple. Like, but he's walking. That's not something you see every day, right? So everyone's amazed. They come over. But then Peter, being the smart man that he is, he takes the opportunity that God provides him. He preaches an amazing sermon. And it says that thousands came to know Jesus. Not just two or three, thousands, thousands of people came to know Jesus from, this, uh, from Peter's preaching. But people are jealous, and the, original, the religious leaders obviously didn't like what Peter and John were doing because they were taking their followers away from them. So they, were, they arrested them, and they were sap, they arrested all night, and then they, the next day they sat before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is known as the, the Jewish Supreme Court, right? You know we have the Supreme Court in our land. The Sanhedrin would have been the Supreme Court of their day. These are the same guys that sent soldiers to go pick Jesus up out of the Garden of Gethsemane a few days before this happened, right? And they're the ones who delivered them to Pilate, him to Pilate to be crucified. So these guys are serious. These aren't good guys. And they get Peter and John. And then we pick up in Acts 4, starting in verse 8. So just a little bit of backstory. And they're asking Peter... Who did you, what, how did you do this, basically? By what name did you do this in? And then it says, then Peter, so we're in Acts 4, verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day, uh, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And they, seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. So pretty amazing miracle, pretty awesome witness of Peter and John here. But the first thing it says that then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's our first topic, right? Our first thing is spirit filled, our first S. And again, it talks about in the same chapter of Acts 31, Acts 4, 31 says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke of the, the word of God with boldness right? So when you're, the Holy Spirit was given to us uh, by God the Father, once Jesus ascended into heaven, uh, Acts 1.8, it tells us that, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the Holy Spirit is given to us to empower us to live a life of boldness for Jesus, to live for Jesus, right? Because how many of you guys, I think I'm a pretty weak guy, right? I need all the help I can get. And God gives us his Holy Spirit to help us in doing what he wants us to do. And it says, uh, the word witnesses here is a witness is someone who can testify to give or afford evidence of. Someone who can speak from experience because they were eyewitnesses of the event. So, for instance, to help you guys understand what this is, how many of you guys watched the Dodger game last night? Or, in other words, saw them lose. <laughs> uh, you guys, how many of you guys watched them? Right? So you were, you were, uh, you can give, you were a witness of the Dodger game, right? That's, that's as easy as it was. You can give testimony of like, okay, this happened, this inning, they scored this many runs. Da, da, da. I think Puig hit a home run, right? Or something like that. So, yeah, a lot of people are depressed. That's funny. Anyway, um, but you see, that's witnesses. You can attest to that. You've seen it with your own eyes, right? You are a witness of it. That's what it's talking about here. That word can also be translated martyr. Someone who gives up their life for their faith which is very interesting. So God gives you the power to be a witness of him. Okay, witness of what? It's like, okay, well, what did Jesus do? Well, I know that he saved me from my sin because he came to earth as a man. He died on the cross and he rose again three days later, just like the scripture says. And then Jesus said that if you believe in him and trust in him, you shall have everlasting life. Your witness of Jesus. You can give testimony of what he's done because he's done it to you, right? That's what we're called to be, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to be that. But how many of you guys think that you have to know all the answers, you have to know all the books, you have to know all the apologetic questions and answers to everything before you can be used by God? Sometimes we get this lie, that lie, in our head that we have to know all the answers. But let's, let's go back to our text real quick, all right? Um, rewind, and it says, let me find it, in verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. Interesting. You know what they did notice, though? Uh, What else they noticed? They marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. All you need to do is spend time with Jesus in his word, and he will equip you for what you need to do. Yes, it's great to study apologetics. Do that. But know who Jesus is, and, God, and Jesus will be able to use you. And when you know who he is, you digging into his word. You're reading it. You're understanding it. And therefore, you can testify of who he is. That make sense? Right? So that was encouraging to me. And then they spoke with boldness. And, but we have to be uh, aware John 6, 63 says, In this, It is the Spirit who gives life, and the, fre- the, flesh, sorry, the flesh profits nothing. So it's important to remember, you must be reliant upon the Holy Spirit. You cannot rely upon yourself to conjure up something or to uh, come up with this great idea, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so good. Or your flesh is going to be like, go talk to that kid. And then you can tell people that you, went, you, you shared the gospel. There's people like that. The people like to be prideful. 
and they say they did this amazing thing and they, they just do it so they can tell everyone about it, you're like, okay, yeah, you might share the gospel with that person. That person might end up even being saved after you talking with them. But what happens when you get to heaven and you stand before God Almighty and he's saying, okay, at the rewardment seat, the bema seat of Christ, right? That's the rewardment seat, the rewarding seat. I said that right, I think. Anyway, but you're about to get rewarded and you're like, oh yeah, but what about that guy? Remember I shared the gospel with that guy and he accepted. It's like, well, Jesus is going to be like, well, you did it in pride. So it's not going to profit you anything. It doesn't profit. The flesh does not profit. So we must be relying upon the Holy Spirit. Uh, Moving on to our second portion of uh, scripture. Yep. Uh, Second S, self-denied. So self-denied. Okay. So very important uh, section of uh, topic. Sorry, getting all mixed up. You guys doing okay? Good. Good. Okay. So second point, self-denied. Why is this important? So moving on, reading in verses, uh, chapter four of Acts in verse 15. But before I go any farther, remember, Peter and John are facing the same guys that killed Jesus, delivered Jesus to be killed, right? Same people, Literally, it probably, this probably took place 50, 60 to 70 days after Jesus rose, uh, was ascended into heaven. Not long after. That's a guesstimation, but it's, pretty, it's not that long after, okay? So the same guys, they would have seen the same faces, right? The same, I think it adds weight to Peter's boldness. Because he is facing the same ones who killed his Lord. Okay? So verse 15 says, But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak to, uh, at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. So you see Peter and John's great example. They did not fear these guys. They had great boldness in this because they denied their comfort. They denied themselves. They could have been like, okay, sorry, we won't say anything else. And they would have been like, it's fine. I don't, want to, I don't want to cause any trouble. But Peter, I love his sarcastic remark. He's like, you think it's better to obey you than God? You tripping, homie. Like basically, like that's Matt's loose translation. But that's what he basically said, right? He's, he's like, no, I'm listening to God, right? It's better to obey God than obey man, right? What did Jesus say? It's better to fear God because fear the one who can throw your body and soul 
into hell rather than man just destroy your body. We have to have the right perspective, right? We need to obey God rather than man. A great example of boldness in the Old Testament is in Daniel 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar, right? Nebuchadnezzar, if you guys don't know this story, it was a king of Babylon, right? A huge, huge army, huge country. They overtook everyone. They took Israel captive, the whole country, and they dragged away captives. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in those captives. And then it comes to a point where Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to make a golden image and I'm going to make everyone worship it. Right? Do you guys remember VeggieTales? Okay, so do you remember the chocolate bunny one where they had to worship the chocolate bunny, right? And they wouldn't bow down? This is the same story. You guys don't remember that? All right, so go back. Watch it. It's great. I don't remember it really except for the chocolate bunny. But anyway, um, but his whole, his thing was like, you're going to worship this image. You're going to worship this thing. So everyone comes out at this certain time to worship this image, right? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they don't bow down. They come out the next day. They don't bow down again. This is Matt's uh, loose translation again. So uh, it's not, it's accurate, but not word for word. Okay. So then the, some of the people see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't bowing down. And they tell the king and they say, and they say if then the king makes a, a edict, he's like, oh, I am king. And he says, if you do not bow down to my statue, you're going to die you will be killed. And so the next day they come out and they're, wa- they're all watching him. I'm sure they're watching him because they all hated them. They didn't want them to live. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not bow down again. They get tossed into a furnace, right? It's heated up so hot that the guards that led them to the furnace die from the heat. But yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into the furnace and they don't die. And then it says that a man was walking in that of the angel of the Lord was with them and he protected them and he brought them out. And they were, they were so bold in their faith. They were so bold in God, so confident in their God that God was going to save them, that they were willing to risk their lives. And yet God rewarded them. Huge, right? To experience that. And then Nebuchadnezzar had to admit that the God of Israel was the one and true God. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was the true God. That's what boldness does. It shines your light, right? Because in that instance, they were huge lights. But we, as disciples of Jesus, have to determine who we will serve, okay? And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So Matthew, great book, great name, Anyway, Matthew 6, 24. You guys didn't catch that again, huh? All right, anyway, sorry. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And what this means is, when he talks about the cross, it means basically... Dying to yourself, putting Jesus first before your needs. And that's why in order to be bold, we need to deny ourselves of our comforts, of our wanting to be accepted by people. 
Because isn't that a struggle to be accepted by people around you? You're like, I want to be cool. I don't want to be made fun of because that's not fun, right? You, we all have this desire in us to be accepted. But Jesus is saying, forget about your life. Die to yourself and follow me. That's in order to be his disciple, we must be that. So how does that apply to our life? How many of you guys have ever been like, you see a kid eating by himself at lunch? Have you guys ever seen that at public school? Okay. <laughs> so what you need to do, be bold and go sit with them. Be their friend, right? And people are going to be like, what is that person doing? You might get made fun of. Or how about, have you ever felt like, okay, I need to share the gospel with this person? Yes, right? But you're like, oh, they might think I'm weird. We need, you need to be bold. We need to be bold. I struggle with this all the time, right? But we need to, over, we need to not have the fear of man. Proverbs 29, uh, 25 says, For the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. If you guys don't know, a snare is an old-fashioned word for a trap. It, they used it to catch small animals, birds, or whatever in hunting. But when you fear man rather than God, right, or you obey man rather than God, you become entrapped, you become enslaved to men instead of trusting and obeying God. It is a hard thing to get rid of. And even Jeremiah, the great prophet Jeremiah, struggled with fear of people, right? First, uh, Je- Jeremiah 1.6 says, then, then said I, Oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. How many of you guys are youth in here? I'm still young, so I'm going to raise my hand, all right? You guys are all youth in here. Jeremiah is telling God, I'm, I can't speak. I'm young. I'm too young. God's like, get over it. Um, anyway, so verse 7, and he says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And I think God wants to use you guys in your life where you're at, right now, but he is limited because you guys fear those around you. You fear what people think of you or what they would think of you. He has a purpose for you guys. So we must be uh, spirit-filled, self-denied of trying to please man rather than God. We have to get rid of our wanting to be comfortable, right? And thirdly, the secret place. All right, so it's a little bit of Christianese, if you guys know what that is. It's like Christian language, if you guys, that's a term, um, Christianese. But the secret place is actually used as another word as prayer. It's important to be prayed up for this, to have boldness. Matthew 6, 6, this is where we get the word secret place from. It says, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, Pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So when someone goes, what Jesus is talking about here is that there was people going out and they would say these long prayers in public just so people could see them. Jesus is like, nah, don't do that. 
Go to where no one can see you and pray. And in the secret place, that's where I'll meet you. So when you're struggling with being bold, go to the secret place, go to your father and pray and ask him and he will reward you openly. That's what he says to do. And that's exactly what Peter, John, and then all well, the disciples of the time did. The, the early church, so to say, in Acts 4. So starting in verse 23, it says, And being let go, so they're let go from the Sanhedrin being interrogated or whatever and threatened. They, they're let go and they went to their own com, uh, companies and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that they that they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. You made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David had said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and with the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever you had, uh, whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Their source of strength was the Holy Spirit and they asked to be used by God and God filled them up. Through that time of prayer, they were strengthened. And they were confident in what they were doing because when God meets you in prayer and he gives you something to do, maybe when you're praying and you're like, oh Lord, I don't know exactly what to do at school. I have this friend and he tells you like, okay, share this verse with them. He'll show you what to do. You have so much confidence. You're like, okay, I know this is what God wants me to do. Now you have to act in obedience and boldness and go do it. Does it make sense? But in that, in prayer, he will meet you and he will give you that strength. And real quick, a side note, look at their desires. It was to glorify God and to witness to others. When we pray, it should, it should always be to get God's will done, not our will done. Okay? So when they prayed, they asked him for boldness to speak his word, to heal people, that signs and wonders would be done through the name of Jesus so that people could be saved, so that the church could grow, right? Not to have a big church, but for others to be saved. So their hearts were for people and God answered and God met them. And again, we see another example in Ephesians 6 of someone being a Paul asking for boldness. So this is the second point or second backup verse or whatever to say that sometimes sometimes Paul was fearful, right? So Ephesians 6:18 says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me. So Paul stops and says and for me also. So keep 
you need to pray for me too, okay? Okay, guys, pray for me. The utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to speak known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul knew that he needed intercessors to help him in his endeavors, in his missions. He needed that time of prayer. He needed other people to be praying for him so that he could have boldness and we need to be praying also. So, and then Psalms 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. When you meet with Jesus in the secret place, you have a confidence, you have a boldness because your heavenly father meets you there. And if you haven't experienced it, you got to do it. You got to get alone with Jesus. And so you got to remember, you always got to be prayed up. You always got to be found in the secret place and boldness will come out of that. So lastly, last verse, last section, why to be bold or why, why be bold? Sorry, that's a better question. Why be bold? Okay. Turn with me to Ephesians 2.10. You guys okay? Going too fast? Well, I'm almost done, so it's kind of too late to ask that. So whatever. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10. Okay. So Ephesians 2.10. Let's, let's, let's read this verse. Because it's a very popular verse, but let's make it personal, okay? Let's make it a little bit more personal than it is. Starting in verse 10. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. God has a purpose for your life, Okay? God has determined plans and a mission that only you can fulfill. That he has created you to walk in beforehand. But if you are not bold with your faith, if you do not text, uh, not text, take steps of faith, you will miss what God has for you. There, what's promised is a mission. What's promised is good works for you to walk in. What is not promised is you to fulfill them. That's on us. That's on our obedience to the Father and us being bold. So if we are not bold, if we do not step out in faith, we will miss what Jesus has for us to do. It is a great and scary reminder. But in closing, I'll do a little demonstration for you guys, okay? So I'm going to have turn off all the lights. You guys are like, What? Better? Because I have an iPad and it was, it's on my notes. Anyways. No, I'm not playing games. What is this? All right. All right. Calm down. Calm down. All right. So, you guys okay? Okay. So, real quick, just focus in on uh, the demonstration real quick, okay? I know this, this lights, this screen's still bright even though it's all black. I apologize. But this is, it's dark in here, right? Is, is our world dark? 
the spiritually dark, what we live in every day, right? Oh, that's even better. Okay. So I was, I was talking with um, a friend and he actually taught one of your guys is at a Christian club this week on a junior high campus. And it was red ribbon week, which is drug awareness week. It, the drugs are so bad at schools, junior high schools, that they have to have awareness weeks about drugs. Our society is dark. But remember the verses that we first started out with, what Jesus told us to be. We are to be lights, right? And then we are to be the light of the world. It is dark, right? But I... Th- And then every single time you let your light shine, you step out in a good work, so to say, what Jesus has created you to do. You shine a little light, right? So, right here. How bright is this little light? It's pretty bright, right? You know what I love about light? You know what I love about light? It defeats darkness every time, no matter how small it is, right? This little light, this little cell phone has a light. And I could see all you guys all the way in the back, the leaders standing back there, right? And I think sometimes we think that we have to do these crazy huge things for God, like Billy Graham crusades, all these things, Harvest Crusades. We have to preach the gospel to all our school all at once at auditorium or whatever. But I think God puts little opportunities before us every single day to walk in, to be little lights. Like with Peter, for instance, he didn't have any money to give the, the guy who was begging for alms. He didn't. But what he did have, he gave to him. He took the opportunity. And then, remember the other opportunity that he was given, when the huge crowd came over to... Um, see what was going on because a man was healed. What did he do? He took another opportunity and preached the gospel and thousands got saved. Thousands, right? So each time you decide to walk in the works that God has created you to do, you shine your light. You are fulfilling what Jesus called you to do, to be the light of the world. But what happens if everyone else around you starts being light, right? What happens? It gets a little brighter, right? But look around the room now. How many, how many phones is this? Six? Seven? Look how bright it is now. The more we shine our light, the better the impact we are going to have for Jesus. And so I would encourage you guys, shine your light. Do what God has called you to do, Right? So in closing, you guys can put your phones away. Thank you so much for participating. The worship team can come up if we can uh, turn the wor- just the worship lights on. How about that? Ooh. Oh, that's great. That'll wake you up. But, okay, guys, real quick. Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. Each one of you resemble a light in this world. If you are a Christian, you are born again, you are the light of the world, Ephesians tells us. And God has created you for good works to walk in. 
But if you do not walk in boldness, if you don't step out in faith, you cover your light and you hide it. Either because you fear what people will think about you or what they'll do to you, or you just don't want to do it. So I encourage you guys, be bold and see what Jesus wants to do through you because I think he wants to do amazing things through you guys. I remember being in high school, right, many moons ago, and I remember seeing junior hires on fire for Jesus. And I used to think like, what's wrong with me? Why aren't I, why aren't I like that? You guys can be examples to people around you. I know you can because I've seen it. And I know Jesus wants to use you guys too. So that's what all I have for you guys today. But I'll just pray for us in closing. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in here. Lord, that they love you. They desire to serve you, Lord. And with all the eyes bowed and closed and our heads bowed, and I want to speak to some right now. If you want to have Jesus use you more than he's using you right now, I want you to be bold and I want you to stand up. If you want Jesus to use you on your campuses, at your home, okay, awesome. So this means that You're forgetting about your life. You're forsaking it and you're living for Jesus to be bold. Awesome. I want to pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, as they want to be bold for Jesus, as it is a dark world we live in, but yet they want to be lights in this world. May you give them strength. May you equip them with knowledge of you as they read your word, they spend time with you, may they be accused of being with Jesus, being like Jesus, a little Christ. That's what Christian means. It's a derogatory statement saying, oh, look at you, little Christ. Lord, may we be accused of being a little Christ in this dark world, Lord. So I ask you just to overwhelm them with your love and grace, but give them boldness because we are weak and we need your strength. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.